I'm Kristen Snyder. And I'm Paige Hua. And this is Daily Bruins Arts and Entertainment's newest series, Booking It. Here on Booking It, Paige and I will be flexing our abilities as English majors to discuss a book of our choosing. With two episodes dedicated to each book, a few guests will join us in analyzing each half of the novel. For our first book pick, we chose An Unkindness of Ghosts by River Solomon, which follows Aster, who lives on the lower decks of a spaceship called the Matilda, which is organized much like the Antebellum South. And throughout the novel, she is investigating what she originally presumed to be her mother's suicide, but she soon finds out that there might be more to the story than she once believed. Does that sound like a fair summary? Yeah. And just for content warning, this book does deal with things like sexual assault, suicide, and abortion. For this first book, Paige and I will be joined by two guests, so let's let them introduce themselves. I'm Brooke Cusick. I was previously the Music Fine Arts Editor, and currently I am Arts Senior Staff. Hi, my name is Kaya Sherry, and I'm the former Lifestyle Editor. How about we just start by going around and saying our favorite things about this read? Definitely, I can start. Something that really intrigued me about this read was it felt really exciting and that each chapter was constantly pushing towards a larger payoff. Um, We only read the first half for this episode, so I'm excited to see where the second half leads. I really liked how the book kind of unpacks Aster's personality and how it kind of like reveals it. It reveals it a little bit slowly, so the buildup is kind of slow, but already within the first half I can tell that she's really like standing up against the larger power sources in the novel, which is kind of refreshing to see in a lead character. Okay, this is gonna start off sounding negative, but I promise it'll turn positive. Um, But when I first read the synopsis and like the concept of the book, I thought that like the entire idea of upper deck versus lower deck being divided into colors was a little simplistic and maybe a little bit on the nose in terms of dealing with such a complex topic as like race relations and like systemic racism. But I feel like the book does a really good job taking that concept and sort of adding all these different sci-fi aspects and like different social groups and interactions that sort of flesh it out a lot more and make it a lot more nuanced than like it could have been handled in a lot more simplistic way. But I appreciate that the book is becoming really complex and layered. I personally really enjoy the fact that Aster is not explicitly, but I think there's a lot of implicit suggestions that she's not a neurotypical character and I think a lot of fiction takes like they usually pose it as a negative thing with different challenges that they have to work around but in this case things that separate Aster from the other people in her world are what make her like really good at her job as a surgeon and really good as a chemist so instead of it being presented as a negative thing it's very much like she might not be like the other people in her cabin or like her friends like Giselle and Theo, but that she very much like has a hold of her own and her own personality. But one thing that I personally found difficult, at least about this first half of the book, was that like for the first hundred pages or so, it was kind of difficult to get a hold of the plot and like really follow what was going because 
I think there was a lot of world building that obviously has to happen in a sci-fi novel and I think in this case it was difficult for the author to create a balance between like introducing the characters and introducing the plot and also balancing that with creating this like huge spaceship with its own rules. Yeah, I I agree. I think the build up is kind of slow and a little bit difficult to follow in places just because I feel like there are kind of like a lot of different conflicts that this story tries to deal with because obviously there's Aster trying to figure out the kind of mystery that's shrouded around the past of like her mother. So there's a lot of mystery surrounding like the death of the sovereign too which kind of comes in the latter part of the first half of the book so i feel like in trying to like unpack all of these things i think it'll pay off well in the second half of the book but in the first half it's just kind of a lot to take in as a reader and prioritize i feel yeah it just feels like there needs to be more exposition which is something that isn't what i normally say for a novel but it just like to shove so much in the first 150 or so pages can get really dense and it feels like it just needed a little bit more space to break things down and explain sort of the rules of the game and where we are in the setting so it doesn't feel like the characters are jumping around from place to place. Yeah, I felt like, and again, I don't typically say this with books, but I think in this case it would be better if we got more of a history of like how Matilda was established and like what how it led to this point and I don't need like a full like encyclopedia history but I think it would be helpful to be like okay here's its beginning and here it is now just so you can have a bit of historical context within the novel. I feel like the author tries to do that because they did put kind of like there's subtle hints towards history but it's so focused on the main like present points of the plot that yeah like you guys said there isn't a lot of space to capitalize on the on the history that got us there as readers yeah i feel like as a result of that it ends up feeling more like sort of a series of vignettes instead of a cohesive narrative i don't know i feel like there are glimpses of that history especially like when it starts to talk about like the religion and how that informs the hierarchies of the ship but i feel like solomon could have spent a bit more time fleshing that out a bit more But I feel like even though the author maybe could have spent a bit more time delving into the history of the piece and the background, they did a really good job exploring the elements of gender with each character and how like even though the mentions of their gender identity wasn't head on, you can sort of piece it together from the dialogue, which I felt was more powerful than if they try to say it on the nose. They also said something about, I can't remember exactly, it was like the people in the lower decks kind of refer to each other as they, while like the upper decks like to implement like gender binaries onto them. I think it was like specifically children were referred to as they, and then like I'm not sure what happens like when they grew up, but I feel like that goes hand in hand with like the novel sort of confusing this idea of gender and showing that it is a social construct and it is arbitrary and like it does that like through language but also through like confusing sort of the physicality and like Theo's beard aspects like that. From what I remember like at the beginning they sort of established that on Flick's level children specifically use they pronouns and I think she pronouns as they became adults and then like that sort of varies between the upper decks and lower decks and I think it was heavily implied that like the upper decks had more I guess like traditional restrictive gender roles with like he and she as opposed to like the lower decks. I think we see this with Theo who doesn't have a beard but other men on 
his part of the ship have really like thick beards and they're really proud of that as a symbol of his manhood and him not having a beard is a point of contention between him and his really influential uncle who doesn't like that he presents as more feminine. It was a really interesting way for Solomon to establish what the gender norm of the area was by having this one character who drifts away from that and like the consequences of it. Yeah, I think it does, and I think it goes to show how Solomon can sort of expertly craft characters to sort of send this message that heteronormativity is something very much imposed upon us as readers in America by white culture, and I think one thing this book makes abundantly clear is how lower and upper deckers are different culturally, and it seems that Solomon really puts sort of a microscope on how these cultural differences is really how these two sort of societies conflict, but that they're all sort of social constructs and not really anything solid or physical. I think that's also reflected in like, or like the way names is handled in the novel, because Theo's name is originally Sedvar, but he chooses a different name because he feels that name doesn't reflect him as a person. And I think Sedvar means like merciless in war or something which is completely opposed to what his personality is, so he changes it to Theo, which means gift to God, which I also think is really interesting because the lieutenant literally sees himself as a god, so the name that Theo chooses for himself sort of places himself in direct opposition to that and those characteristics. So I think there's the overarching analogy of the ship reflecting America's racial hierarchy, but then none of the characters seem stilted or like completely defined by the different analogies and symbols that they're living within, which I think is like a, shows how, even though I was like kind of confused by the plot at points, I think the characters made it worth it because they were super intriguing on their own. No two character was like too similar, but none of them felt completely like boxed in by what they were supposed to represent. Yeah, it's like the it's like the names were meant for us as readers to associate with other things rather than like them being defined by their names, which is such a huge message since it's like the characters in the novel are choosing their names at times. What does Aster mean? It's in the Daisy family. I think that's interesting because I feel like flowers can normally be like a symbol of femininity, but I think that part of what makes Aster such an interesting character is that she kind of like rejects that at times and values kind of like her passions more than that or maybe not that might not be the right way to say that but like she has such an interest in like being the healer and being a chemist and stuff like that that it's not necessarily like doesn't she actually doesn't she have her uterus cut out as well yeah so I think that that makes her a really dynamic character because it's kind of like another instance of names not defining who a person is and kind of their actions and how they choose to live their lives kind of defines it more than that. Well, it's also interesting because according to Google, so take this with a grain of salt because this is just not the Google definition of the word, the like specific plant that is the aster is typically pink or purple, typically in like American society representative of like femininity and girlhood and things like that. It's super interesting because for aster, gender doesn't seem to be a personal thing at all. It's kind of like she exists in a body, but she's never like her gender isn't like a topic of concern for her. At the same time, she is very cognizant of it as a societal issue. And especially there's one point where let me pull up the quote I had written down. She's mentioning how the guards in the lower decks treat the woman, and there's a lot of like 
fairly graphic scenes throughout the book, but at this one moment, she comments that even though the guards rarely kill the woman, they were, quote, experts at towing that line. Even though, like, she personally doesn't care about her gender, she's so aware of how other people care about her gender and how other people will use that as a means of inflicting violence upon her. And I think Solomon explores this concept of institutionalized violence against women, like, throughout the first half of the novel pretty in depth yeah it was such a heartbreaking moment for me to to read when she was in bed rubbing ointment between her legs and people thought she was masturbating but really she was trying to protect herself from the pain of being raped that was just such a powerful couple pages for me it brought chills yeah i think what made that scene so like hard hitting was the fact that she was so nonchalant about she's like oh this is just something that i have to do and then other people make comments about it as a means for like them to explain it within the narrative but the fact that she was just like okay i do this thing and it like it's kind of an inconvenience at times but i have to do it like i think that's what really drove that point home to jump off of that point i feel like that scene in particular is just so awful just because of how normalized it all is for them which is something you guys have been saying and also i feel like jumping off of my own point i guess (laughs) the way that like appearance outward appearance ties to that because there's that scene with Chazelle where Astra accidentally punches her face and she's like appearance is really important because you're pretty and that helps you get favor with men and again that's something that's normalized if you're pretty then you can use that but I don't know I guess it has to all tie in with like the way that people present. It just affects the way that people treat you and the way that people perceive you. Well, if I'm remembering right, there's also kind of like a rejection of that, right? Because doesn't Giselle say something along the lines of, even if I do have like scars on my face, like I'm still beautiful? Or did I make that up? No, yeah. I feel like I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like Giselle definitely like tries to reject the boxes that people try to put around her, you know? And that's like a really great example of that. Well, we were talking about appearance. There was a scene when, pretty early on when Theo is first introduced as the surgeon, and they're talking about how he is part black, but he's light-skinned enough where people can, like, I think, this isn't a direct quote, but they can kind of overlook that and, like, let him just, be, like, be good at being a surgeon. And then later we see Aster working as a surgeon on the upper decks. Like, she can only do so when she's with Theo because she has darker skin. So that just goes to show, like, how much, on top of gender issues, how much your race and, like, the color of your skin can go on to impact how society views you. Well, yeah, because even he says, if I'm not wrong, that he views her than being more, like, intellectually and, like, surgically gifted than he is. So that just proves that point further. What do you guys think about their kind of relationship that's forming? Do you guys have thoughts on it? I think it's interesting. At first, I thought it was just, like, super one-sided on Aster's end until we got Theo's perspective, which I was like, oh, like, he's in love with her. But it's interesting how you don't really view that at all from Aster's perspective, but I'm not really sure what that means. It's, like, refreshing twofold in the sense that none of, like, neither of their attraction is based on their appearances. You, you rarely find mention of that, and it's, like, totally based on how he sees her as a surgeon and how she sees him as a surgeon like as a person as well but then like on the flip side it's equally refreshing to see like a romance I don't even know if I want to call it that friendship blossoming on like the foundation that they're friends I feel like in so many other forms of media you see like the angst between two lovers but they don't even like go through the friendship phase first they just jump right into bed and it's just it's nice to see two characters being compatible on the level of friendship first 
Yeah. I feel like that was kind of like a turning point in the book for me. And maybe it's just because like, I don't know, I'm a sucker for like when two characters finally like converge and suddenly have like a really close relationship. But I I also really like that part where she's just like, well, are we acquaintances? Like not a direct quote, but like, are we acquaintances or are we friends? Because if we're just acquaintances, like I wouldn't spend as much time as I do like caring for you. And I think she like makes him some sort of medication or something I can't fully remember. But because if we're just acquaintances, like I'm not going to do that for you. But if we're friends, obviously I care for you and I would take that time. And after that, I was like, oh my God, wait, I thought that y'all were just coworkers. It's interesting because, yeah, it's just another part of them, like, breaking down stereotypes because Theo at a lot of times just seems really removed. I think there's a part, too, where it kind of unpacks whether that's society, their society's kind of, like, pressures on him to not be so, like, close with her and kind of, like, how he restricts himself. He's like, oh, no, we cannot share a bed because that is against these unspoken rules. But, yeah, it's an interesting kind of flip on stereotypes. We're going to finish up on that note. Tune in next time to Booking It as we wrap up our discussion of An Unkindness of Ghosts by Rivers Solomon and announce our next read. You can tweet any comments, questions, or observations at AE or email podcasts at dailybruin.com.